Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Coffee Trading Academy podcast. In this episode, we are experimenting with a new format called What the Heck is Going On in Coffee? This is an opportunity for me and my colleague Igor to discuss current events in the coffee market and try to cut through the hype with some objective analysis. As you might have guessed from the title, although we offer serious analysis, very serious, we try to keep it informal and lighthearted and conversational. That said, some of the topics are pretty in-depth, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. In this episode, we start with the hailstorm in Brazil that happened just a few days ago. We look at the certified inventory, the addition of pending stocks and the impact on calendar spreads. We look at macroeconomics and the impacts of currency on coffee and commodities. And we conclude with a talk of key support levels and the analog with the coffee rally of 2014. All right, we got a lot to cover here. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> um, good. All right, Igor. So now... Once again, we are starting uh, our first uh, episode of what the heck is going on in coffee. Um, luckily, or unluckily for some of those people affected, um, I think there's no shortage of things for us to to talk about in coffee markets today. What do you think? Well, I think that's plenty of things going on with weather, uh, with the this big uh, sell-off that we're having in coffee. Many of many of the people don't believe that this yep. sell-off uh, should be taking place, but it is taking place. Yes. Uh, weather we, department was good. We are unfortunately on financial Twitter, aren't we? So we oh, see yeah. all of the angry bulls um, on the in the market now, <laughs> um, and there's definitely a lot of them. Um, yeah, so very good point. So let's cut right to the chase here. Um, I mean, actually, there's so many big things to cover. Um, I think you mentioned a few of them. Uh, I think we should talk about the hailstorm first, um, but then of course. This uh, no discussion of the coffee market would be complete if we didn't talk about the the certified inventory. So we got to cover that in the calendar spreads. Um, what else? Currency market has been going crazy. Also, um, you can give us the latest on what's going on in Brazil. Um, oh yeah, especially with the government transition now, uh, we should exactly. keep an eye on that because we have lots of volatility breaking into the BRL. and also the the COT shorts that have been yes. the, the biggest stars from lately. Yes, good point. The COT shorts, we have that to cover. And then finally, uh, as if that wasn't enough, uh, we have that really cool analog we took a look at from, from 2014. Um, okay, oh, yeah. good. So let's get started. Uh, Igor, you just did a little study on the hailstorm. Why don't you, first of all, fill us in on what happened with the hailstorm? Um, if you have those pictures, you could show those pictures. But um, uh, And then and then kind of give us uh, you, the overview of your analysis. What did you find? So first of all, what happened? And second of all, what did you find? Okay, so uh, what happened is a hailstorm yesterday in several uh, areas of the coffee park. And it right. was pretty unusual because hailstorms tend to be localized. So they're, they they uh, affect some specific areas and some unlucky producers uh, have their crop undermined because of them. If they they have big ice storms, and what mm -hmm. happened yesterday is we had this: we had big ice big ice, uh, big ice stones. stones. So you're saying the hailstones themselves were were big? Um, exactly. So number one. Normally, hailstorms are localized. They might hit a few unlucky producers. That's terrible for them, but it's not usually an indication of a bigger problem in Brazil. But this time, it, it may be a bit different, right? So we we have big hailstones, and the 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 area affected was larger than normal. Is that right? Oh yeah, that that's it. And the number of cities kept just kept growing. 
Uh, we had Poços de Caldas, Mozambinho, uh, some cities near Alta Mogiana uh, going into the Cerrado, but uh, key areas such as uh, Cerrado and Alta Mogiana, Franca, these cities were not affected, okay. but we have some in the south of Minas and, and going up towards Cerrado. Uh, okay, and, so let's take a look at a map. I think you put together a map yeah. for us yet, right? We might as well Let me share my video screen here. here. Uh, we are going to be going on podcast as well, so we will we'll describe the areas also. But um, for those of you who are watching the video, you can take a look here and see what exactly is going on. So I need to share my screen, but uh, I oh, can't. I've got to give you access. Table. Let's see if I can yeah. figure out how to do that. Um, participants. I'm going to make you the host. Okay. All right. Go for it. Okay. So sharing your screen, let me know when you can see it. Yep. I can see. So basically, these are the air, some of the cities affected. Mm -hmm. So I was mapping the cities affected and the list is, uh, long, so I only covered six here. We have Poços de Caldas, we have okay. uh, uh, Monte Mont Claros, mm -hmm. we have let me see the list here. See, Uberaba looks like um... Uberaba as well. Uberaba is not a coffee producing region, not North Sacramento, but the intensity was really, really heavy there as well. Right. Uh, Pedregulho is a city nearby Uberaba, about 70 kilometers. And it's a coffee city near okay. Franca. It was affected. Poços de Caldas as well, Cabo Verde, Monte mm -hmm. Belo, Campos Gerais, Muzambinho, Monte Carmelo, São Tomás de Aquino, and the list keeps growing. Right. So what we are seeing here is are the cities that were mostly affected. Okay. Let's take uh, a look at that map that you have here. So the, in this map that you have in the corner here, um, you can go to the next slide. It looks like the red uh, area is where coffee is grown, right? Those are the coffee exactly. regions. And then yeah. you've highlighted in green here the areas that were affected by hail. Exactly. So this green area is likely the areas that are affected by hail. And I made a, a quick study here to roughly estimate potential impacts in, in, in the coffee production. And I separated this in... Uh, three columns so we have an okay. optimistic column a neutral and a bad column which would mean a disaster so we have something between 200,000 bags and going up to uh, 2.7 million bags of potential uh, production loss so if we average those numbers we should get in about 1.3 million bags now, remember that this is just the, the barely start of cherry growth phase. Chumbinhos are growing. Right. Uh, fixation is, take, is still taking place. So this is very, very hard to estimate at this point. But uh, these are some numbers that we can start uh, thinking in the top of our heads. Mm. And we also want to dig more into this matter to really discard any cities that are just speculations from the cities that really had hailstorm. Right. But this is what, what we're looking at. Okay. So uh, basically just to walk me through your process here, it sounds like what you did was um, you, you sort of isolated the regions that were affected 
um, by by the hailstorm. You you looked at what is the total production in those areas, and then you um, you said, okay, in an optimistic scenario, only one percent of the farms were affected. In a bad yeah. scenario, uh, what thirty percent of the farms were affected? Something like that. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so we we played with uh percentages there and uh how much of of uh production would be cut off from from this impacts. Okay. So here we're basically playing with uh these two things: covered area and uh undermined production. Okay. Great. Um. So obviously this is not good. Um. But to put these numbers in context, um. We are think we're we're looking at something like originally we had been expecting something like a 70 million bag crop in Brazil. We are maybe on the optimistic side. Others are are thinking maybe more like a 65 million bag crop in coming in in the 23 24 crop, right? Yeah. So if we consider Brazil as the key factor in whether or not we have a surplus or a deficit in 23 24 then we're talking about shaving off maybe something like a million bags. And I think our, our surplus is, is probably, I think we're projecting a surplus of between five and 8 million bags, something like that. Do you remember? Yeah. It's about 9 million bags, 9 million bags. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're projecting a surplus of 9 million bags in 23, 24, given a 70 million bag crop. So you know, we could be totally wrong on that. Maybe it's a 65 million bag crop, in which case there would be a 4 million bag surplus, right? Um, and now we're talking about shaving off of that uh, surplus somewhere between a couple hundred thousand bags up to two or three million bags. Um, worst case scenario, two or three million bags. Now, I I, I think we, we chatted a little bit about this before. I kind of dislike... Hate is a strong word, but I dislike um, making, you know, uh, judgments about lost in quotes uh, production this far out, because as you said, they're just Chubinos at this point. It's so easy to kind of do some hand waving math here and say like, oh, we lost five million bags. We lost three million bags, whatever. Um, when um, no, the, you know, we don't really have any bags yet. It's all just kind of potential production so i think what we can say here definitively is this this is not good it's not it's not beneficial uh for the crop exactly but um it's hard to say whether it's going to have how exactly how much of an impact it's going to have at this point we're, we're going to continue to to examine this do some more research uh and talk to people on the ground uh, but i think this is a good first uh sort of um estimate and way to kind of frame the impact from the hailstorm um, so great. Thank you for that, Igor. Um, and the, the other thing I think we should mention here that um, we've we've been talking to people uh, uh, in Brazil about Brazil farmers and and, and co-ops and, and exporters and everything is that the fixation has not been optimal either. Right. Yes. And this is, some, I think, one of the reasons that is making the farmer uh, disagree with this projection of a higher crop in 23. Not that they uh, don't think that the 23 crop has a potential to be big, but they don't think right. that it will be a record crop like 2020. Now that said, we have to remember that uh, the 2020 uh, crop was a really big one. 
Hmm. And the market don't really need a, a record crop. Right. Um, that said, uh, fixation is pretty irregular. So by this time of the year, their shumbinhos uh, are growing the coffee plants. Hmm. And how they evaluate the fixation is by seeing the number of shumbinhos in each plant. Right. Now, we're in November now, and it's normal for the plants to lose some shumbinhos uh, in this month. Mm. Uh, it's pretty irregular by uh, what I'm, what I've been talking to different producers, especially in the Sahado region, right. and I've heard uh, from South from our South of Minas friends as well. They are reporting the same thing, mm. really similar. That uh, it's not an ideal. Uh, right. By quoting a farmer here, uh, he said that he he was expecting more. Right. So he he was he was with his hopes high. And this is with but, particularly good weather too, right? I mean, we've had oh, great yeah. rain. Um, so the 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 disappointing fixation uh, of the flowering, um, I think we're at this point we're attributing this to previous stress and damage that that, that the tree had already uh, experienced. You know, potentially from the 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 extra dry dry season uh, this summer, um, uh, winter for Brazil. And, um, uh, you know, the damage from the frost, the trees were not in a particularly good state. So even though we have had fantastic uh, rainfall during the flowering season, great rainfall, uh, follow up rainfall um, for the cherry growth period, the the fixation, the development of those flowers into beans has not been as great as people had, had hoped. And I think that, you know, uh, sort of fits nicely with what we've been saying about Hey, this isn't going to be a record crop. This isn't going to be as big as 2020, but we are expecting a nice recovery. And I think that hasn't changed, even with a hailstorm. Um, you know, I don't want to oversell the hailstorm here. Um, it's new. It's sort of exciting. It's what's happening. Um, but it's it, we're not talking about oh, the crop has been decimated and destroyed here. Um, it's uh, it's a it's it looks like an impact. It looks bad, uh, or rather, it doesn't look good. Um, but, uh, we're still seeing a, you know, a, 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 you know, a strong recovery from the, the, the poor last couple of years. Exactly. And one interesting thing here is, uh, without sounding the alarm, we can say this, uh, shumbinhos are expected to fall. A certain degree of shumbinhos are expected to fall from mm. the trees by this time of the year. Right. Uh, that said, in December, it's not normal anymore for shumbinhos to keep falling from the trees. Mm -hmm. So we have a better notion on the crop fixation in December. Because if this keeps going uh, in the, over the next month, then we can uh, maybe see a red flag there. But right. so far, it would be too early. We have signals that it is not an ideal start. But... Mm -hmm. You might want to wait some more time before uh, we can have a clear vision on what's happening here in the in the in the fixation phase. Right, very good point. So we we have seen Chibinos fall. We've seen kind of a, a not optimal uh, fixation, at least given how good the rainfall was. Um, but but some of that is kind of normal. And so once we get to December, then we'll get a better idea um, because at that point, at least 
we can say for sure, hey, things are looking strange and not good here, or okay, now that the the you know the crop seems to have found its footing and it's progressing as normal. So um, I think that's a very good point. Let's uh, shift gears here now uh, from uh, Brazil, which is never too far from our mind, uh, to the dramatic. <laughs> Uh, price action and i guess the uh the cot we can talk about as well i think that's um one of the big things that um uh the market has been talking about or or that's really been new at least so um why don't you uh pass over uh control of the host to me and i will sure. share my screen here but the i guess what we can summarize is the specs have been a very big impact in the coffee market um, that's pretty much always the case. Um, but we've, we've seen that, uh, dominate in the last few years. Um, and, and, and that is for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, I think it's because we say that the, uh, speculator is not a hedge, right? So when the spec puts on a position, they become vulnerable. And, and that's really what we've seen, uh, in the last few weeks here, just the last few weeks, the specs have been resilient in their long position. They've been bulls basically for the last year, very solidly, even with this declining uh, bear market we've had over the last year. And we've had almost zero shorts. Now that's changed. Uh, now the total spec position is actually net short. And that's the first time that we've seen a net short spec since what? Was it 2020? Um, I think that uh, that we've 20, had twenty eighteen. I think twenty twenty. I'm pretty no, sure twenty twenty. Yeah. Sorry, uh, two years from now. From the yeah, I mean twenty eighteen was a very big bear market, but we certainly had uh, we certainly had a spec short a net short position in twenty twenty, um, and so this is new. This is um, this is something that we haven't seen in quite some time, and not only are we net short, but we have new shorts in the market. You can see here that we had basically the 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 total gross shorts were pretty close to zero for the last year. Um, they were something like 2% of open interest, right? Uh, you can see here as a percent of OI. And so in the just the last three weeks here, they've gone from 2% of open interest up to more like 12% of open interest. Um, and at the same time, the spec longs have declined over the same period from 18% open interest down to something like 8% open interest. So this uh, this is a dramatic uh, turn of events. And what I was mentioning in the beginning here about the the spec that's that's worth noting is is that they can be vulnerable. Since their positions are not a hedge, we often uh, look at the new spec positions as as you know. A potential for liquidation. So in the case of new shorts here, um, and we've got all these new shorts, now now the the fear is or the the possibility is that they cover, that they are forced to cover those shorts. And if that happens, we have quite a bit of area that those specs can can um, or or impact that they can have on price. Now, the other side of the coin here is that the specs can continue to get shorter, right? Now, I've been talking about this a lot, Igor. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you here. Do you, do you recall why I said uh, 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 that I don't think the, um, the shorts are going to go max short? 
because fundamentals don't support it. The, the market's too inverted. The inverted, uh, and exactly. exactly the inversion. So the the calendar spread the last time that the the the, uh, the specs went majorly short um, was when we had a carry market. So then the the short uh, when they roll their position every roll period would actually collect a few cents. They would they would um, improve their their P and L every roll period. That's uh, that's a lot harder to do in an inverted market. So unless our market goes back into contango and we see calendar spreads come back into carry, um, I don't see the specs going full full short again. Agree. Uh, now, I guess that brings us to our next question: Is when are the calendar spreads going to go back into carry? And I think. Uh, you and I um, both have been kind of talking the same thing on this here, which is the certified inventory. Now, you've done a little uh, study here uh, of, of the certs for us. And um, just to give everybody some background, the certified inventory in Arabica, we, we consider to be one of the main drivers uh, of, of the calendar spreads, at least and especially when it's very low. Right now, the certified inventory has dropped down from a peak of around 2 million bags um, just a couple of years ago down to something like, where are we now? 370, 380,000 bags? Uh, 435 yesterday. Maybe it has changed now today. Oh, okay. So we've, we've, we've gone back up above 400,000, but we reached a low somewhere around 370,000 uh, bags uh, of certified inventory. Now, this is the lowest certified inventory has been in 20 years, 20, 20 plus years, right? Not since the yeah. late 1990s. And at that time, certified inventory actually dropped down um, below 1,000 bags. It got to a critical level where the exchange was really monitoring every bag coming in and out. Now, this downward trajectory, this drawdown in certified inventory has been uh, intense and unrelenting. But uh, that's changed in October, right? What happened in uh, in October, Igor? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we we oh yeah, in October we had the start of the pendings, right? So the exchange started to receive a high number of pendings uh, in October, and even before that, consumption rate of certified stocks uh, decreased because of the lowering diffs. So the diffs uh, decreased a lot in, in, in October start. Exactly. So basically, uh, this dramatic drawdown had had paused. We we'd seen that kind of taper off and and, and stopped. And I and I agree with you, Igor. I th I think a big reason for that, uh, a big part of that was the the differentials. I thought I had a slide here for that, but I don't. But uh, we saw differentials come way off in Brazil, in Colombia, right? The two biggest uh, Arabica origins. Uh, and to a lesser extent in other in other parts of the the world as well. Um, so we saw all these differentials come off. And at the same time, freight has been dramatically getting cheaper. And high freight rates and high differentials were two of the biggest incentives to consume this certified inventory. So with freight rates a lot cheaper and differentials a lot cheaper, um, even if we're not getting new certified stocks, uh, there's less of an incentive to continue consuming them, right? So I think that's exactly right, just like you said there. So we had this uh, flattening out uh, throughout October. And then 
Now, just recently, we have the pending stocks. So you you did a little study here of these pending stocks. Uh, why don't you walk me through this and show me what you, you found here? Yeah, so basically, uh, up until yesterday, we had a total of pennies of 200 uh, K bags. Right. So we had already three days of inspections, mm -hmm. and this added to 44,000 uh, bags into the certified inventory. Right. Uh, so 44,000 bags from the pendings have passed and yeah. are now certified inventory. And that's this little green exactly. area here. So you can see that we have uh, changed the trend. The trend is now is now trending upward with new new certified inventory. Okay. Exactly. And then um, and then what was the pass rate you found? The pass rate of 75, almost 76% is a really high pass rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so from this inventory that we're spending uh, volume that we're seeing there, we can project and this pass rate, if we're being conservative, we can uh, project an increase of uh, 100,000 bags into mm. the certified inventory. So it should go uh, somewhere around 550K bags total. Now that said, right. uh, and this is not in the slide, obviously, because it's just out. Today, uh, we had more coffee certified, certs mm. are now higher at 440, okay. and the pending volume actually increased, and it, it increased by a lot, oh. uh, 80K, over 80K yeah. bags, <laughs> if we consider the ones that were graded mm. and the ones that entered. We have now 266K bags. So this increase there might be even higher if we consider today's data. Wow. Okay, and and we've seen the impact of this and the impact of the 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 flattening certified inventory and the impact of the pendings has been a collapse in the spreads, right? Calendar yeah. spreads were inverted to a high of something like 10 cents over. Now they're they're closer to 2 cents. I don't know what I didn't check it just a second. Um but that was the the last I saw, something like 2 cents over. Still inverted you know, for just a couple of years ago, a two cent inversion was a huge deal. That would have been like, whoa, oh my gosh, the market's inverted by two cents. But compared to 10 cents, this is a collapse, right? This is this is yeah. a dramatic collapse in 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 this in the spreads. Even still, though, um, even though this is a collapse in the spreads, it's much, much cheaper. It's still a cost for the specs if they are short and they want to roll. So the question yes. is, how many more um certs are we going to get and what is going to happen to calendar spreads now the answer as far as i know is we think this is limited right so what yeah. what origin are you seeing uh passing here in the search do you know brazilians exactly so these are all these, are, so these are all brazilians that we're seeing um hit the tape here and the rumor is, and we can't confirm this or deny this, the rumor is that these are researchs, right? They are coffee that was already on the exchange and is now being resubmitted to the exchange. So the rumor is that these are not new coffees um, being tendered to, uh, to certify. So that's important because we saw this happen before. Um, this, this previous increase here in August was also a very similar situation to what we saw now. And it was 
the pending stocks increased regularly and you know to um to a pretty high level we saw a couple hundred thousand bags uh then as well and they had a, a strong pass rate and that stopped and the certs continued to draw so i don't see any reason right now why that wouldn't continue to happen um except there actually there are some reasons why that might not continue to happen um which is uh if differentials stay weak right um and uh you know and and freight stay cheap um we, we let me rephrase that i don't see a reason that we should tender new coffees to the exchange based on tenderable parity so that i don't think is going to change um in the short term it might but i don't think so and i don't think there are many more if these are just going to be recertified coffees i don't think there are many more that can be recertified so the only way we can get new additional certified inventory here now is if we actually get fresh coffees certified now although we're far away from tenderable parity in other words we're far away from the point where it makes sense to sell certified coffees to somebody um that doesn't mean people won't certify it they may certify it for financing reasons so we could see a situation uh where uh, exporters are saying hey let's let's certify a bunch of new coffees here that way we can um that the banks will view that as collateral the other reason, and this is purely speculative, I could be totally wrong and crazy on this here. The other potential reason I can see is if the trade or exporters wants to collapse the spread. And I don't, you know, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. I'm not saying anybody is doing that. But if I were an exporter, I would be very, very unhappy with the inversion in the market right now because it's costing a lot of money to carry inventory. And if you can certify a bunch of your new coffees, um, you don't have to deliver them. You can just certify them. If that manages to collapse the spread back into carry, well, hey, that's not a bad uh, situation for you, right? Yeah, uh, that's a theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's a theory sense. well said <laughs> so i think that's that's exactly right we'll leave it at that it's a theory uh we don't know that that's going to happen but i think what we can say is that it doesn't look like it's going to be um uh passable it doesn't look like it's going to be uh tenderable parity anytime soon so all else being equal we see like another hundred thousand maybe another hundred fifty thousand maybe two hundred thousand new bags from the research that's you know good that's the market needs that but that even still let's say the market gets back up to 700,000 bags and that's a lot compared to um you know to where we are now that's still very low by historical standards right exactly. um, this is not we're we're still far below a million bags uh, which is you know considered more healthy so let's uh, shift gears now towards uh, our final comments um i think we can talk about the the macro impact this has been a big deal on on coffee for a while right um yes and you've been making studies of the us dollar and the brl uh, but let's start with the us dollar here um i'm i i know you've been kind of bullish on the dollar and i i share that somewhat um and the reason for that is because of the the interest rates right so yeah. the federal reserve has been raising interest rates that's the market has been interpreting that as bullish the U.S. dollar. 
um and uh the the dollar has been trading that way it's been it's been pretty good um although for the last month it's really been consolidating right during october it's yeah. really been a sideways sideways month so the it's not just the us interest rates that are important though right it's the rest of the world and the rest of the world is also raising interest rates however and this is the reason why i think we're both kind of bullish the us dollar here is that we see um the us economy as being in a slightly stronger position than say europe and the, which is the other major source yeah. of currencies so because of that differential um we we see the us dollar kind of um taking priority here and um and you know the interest rates of the the federal reserve probably staying ahead of the um the other economies the other developed economies the the issue now and i think the reason why we've seen this consolidation is that there is a lot of talk there's speculation that the us economy is slowing um and i think we've seen a little bit in the unemployment figures right um a slight yeah. softening there that there's a fear that the the federal reserve is going to is going to slow down on interest rates right that they're not going to be raising them as fast yeah that's the word on the market there and people mm -hmm. are betting on that and you can see by the chart uh now the it makes sense that go ahead no i was going to say that uh it makes sense at some point and i think that every reason for the dollar to fall now it will be uh a good opportunity for traders hmm. so for uh let's take the unemployment rates for example they came out higher than they expected and I think that this might be an oppor opportunistic trade for some people uh, to short the dollar and profit on there uh, with uh, data that contradicts the, the, the narrative of mm. uh, a strong dollar. So, uh, and we could see in the chart that the day after the dollar uh, sold off uh, in a higher intensity than usual. Uh, the Federal Reserve so far has been... Uh, how can I say, delivering his promises. Right. So they are saying that they won't uh, stop the monetary tightening until they, they see inflation cooling down and they have a 2% target. Right. Uh, Which we're quite far they, from. <laughs> exactly. That, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the CPI didn't uh, offer any reasons for the Federal Reserve to think that it is time to stop the monetary tightening. And they're still committed to more rate increases. Right. Uh, even if they stop raising rates soon, the uh, the federal fund rate will still be higher through all uh, the majority of the next year. Hmm. So not saying the dollar will uh, meet new records, fresh records, right. but it should remain strong. And I wonder what uh, which level coffee could have touched if the the dollar wasn't so strong this entire time yeah that's a very good point uh, i mean the strong dollar has definitely been an impact into why i think uh coffee never hit that three dollar mark right that that you know that level that indicates a supply shock and um that i think is going to dovetail nicely into the brl because i think the brl was a major factor there as well but the final thing i just want to note here on the u.s dollar is that 
it's it's become a little bit too easy of a trade and that's that's the thing that makes me most skeptical about it is like it's 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 been such a bull trend for so long um and it's just it's too easy um that i think at some point like we always say that markets are forward looking right um at what point does the the market the fx market say hey this trade is too crowded we need to get out we need to look for something else here this isn't the right um you know, uh, trade to put on. There's not that much more room to go. Um, so I don't know when that's going to happen, but I can say that the U.S. dollar um, was rallying long before the interest rates actually started rising because they were anticipating interest rates rising. Right. Yeah. So um, that's uh, something we we can consider here. And I'll also just mention, in case this wasn't clear, there is a strong correlation inverse correlation between the US dollar and commodities in general so because the commodities are priced in US dollar terms when the US dollar gets stronger the things it can buy become cheaper right when the US dollar becomes weaker then the things that you can buy with a US dollar become more expensive and so we see that direct impact in the coffee market and we see uh, something similar with the BRL Right now, the BRL is the the most important currency for the coffee markets for Arabica um, because of the Brazilian producer and the Brazilian producer does not need to sell his coffee or her coffee right away. They grow. They, they sell natural coffee. They can sit on that. They can they can hold their coffee and, and sell it later. So um, because of that. The Brazilian farmer is looking at the price of coffee in BRL terms and waiting for that, you know, optimal price before they sell. Now, that hasn't worked out great for them so far, unfortunately, this year uh, because of this dramatic sell off that we're going to talk about in a second. But before we continue, uh, can you tell us what's going on in the BRL? What's your expectations there and and how has the uh, election changed that? Well, I think the BRL is is uh it's pretty overvalued okay let's say like this the us dollar uh brl correlation it's cheap that's mm. that's the way we see here right uh, so i think it's uh an opportunity to for the brazilians to buy dollars mm. uh and the reason for that is that the market entered in a honeymoon phase with Lula's uh, government. Mm. And that's plenty of reasons for that. First, uh, the election uncertainty was removed. Second, uh, right. the investor, the especially the foreign investor, he has a good uh, uh, recordation of the previous governments from Lula. Mm. Uh and also, Lula is well seen in relation to the environment abroad. Right. Uh, now that honeymoon is uh, is meeting its end. Let's yeah. say. First thing is we have the strong five support uh, in the BRL, mm -hmm. and the market. The markets are not seeing uh well a good configuration for uh, the different ministers that will compose Lula's government. So they were betting on uh, Enrique Meirelles hmm. to take on the as as minister of the economy. And the reason that this guy is so pro market 
uh, is because he was uh, a central bank mm. uh, president before, and he's the guy that that uh, created the spending ceiling rule for oh, okay. accounts. So he was being uh, well seen. The guy who created the spending ceiling is well seen uh, rather than the guy who broke it, which is Paulo Guedes from right. Bolsonaro. So this narrative uh, was put into the trash as Meirelles uh, said this week that he won't uh, join as the minister of the economy. Hmm. Uh, now the, the configurations left for uh, Lula's government, different ministers, are really, really disappointing. Okay. So there are some some different settings circulating the market, and I'm, I was talking to some fellow colleagues from from banks and, and other institutions, and we saw uh, a configuration that's really, really bad. Okay. Really, really bad. That no way that this can work. Uh, I think that they're not thinking uh, of this in reality. Hmm. Maybe it's a stretch. Like let let's let's uh, feed them with something that's very, very bad. And then we <laughs> put on something that's not so bad and then the market's right. uh, taken. But uh, even if still the the, the pers- perspectives are not good. Hmm. Uh, Lula's government's already talking about releasing uh, 200 billion more in uh, uh, from the public account to cover an emergency pack. So mm. they can pay uh, the Auxilio Brasil, six, 600 reais. And the public accounts are already in default in relation to the spending ceiling. So this increases Brazil's fiscal risk. Right Now you can say that, uh, okay, so Brazil always has fiscal risk. <laughs> and th- But th- that is increasing more and more, and we, we are not seeing a solution in the, in the horizon. Uh, that so- said, like you said, the other central banks, the other economies are also right. raising rates. And Selic is supposed to remain steady now. Mm. So the attractivity because of the the rate differential, Brazil mm. versus other economies, tends to decrease, especially when the Selic starts to go down eventually. Right. Uh, so these are some reasons I think the PRL uh, is... Uh, Overvalued. Below- Overvalued, yeah. Yeah. So just to thank you for that. That was a, a good summary there. Um, so basically... Number one, we can say there's a, there's this strong positive correlation with the BRL and coffee. When the BRL is weak, farmers see that as getting a good price, so they will sell. When the BRL is strong, they hold back. They see they're getting uh, less good price for their coffee. So that's number one. Number two, we can say over the last two years, I think it, we've really seen the BRL in this particular range between five and something like five fifty. I don't remember exactly something in that yeah. in that band. Five eighty was the most. Five eighty was the high. There you go, or the, yeah. the low, depending on how you look at it. Um, and so that's the other thing. And and we are. I forgot where we are exactly. We're somewhere around five fifteen, I think. Five fifteen today. The market's basically five fifteen. Oh, steady. So we're in the 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 stronger end of that band, right? We are, you know, compared to the weaker end at five fifty or five eighty, we're in the stronger end, closer to five. So we had a potentially, um, you know, uh, what can we say, pro market, um, uh, pro fiscal conservative um, 
being considered for the Lula government. Uh, yeah. The market looked at that as being potentially very favorable, especially compared to Bolsonaro's um, breaking the spending ceiling. And yeah. now it looks like that guy is no longer on the table. He's no longer an option. And the potential candidates for the the, the finance ministry um, is not looking too good, right? Yeah. Okay. Fernando Haddad is the guy that they're quoting, which is the guy that competed for Sao Paulo's government and lost. Hmm. Uh, so are not seen that well it does seem like we have a weaker impact uh we are going to have um uh or rather we're going to have a weaker real at least that's what we would expect um especially if the u.s dollar considers continues strong too that's also going to have a negative effect on the real and therefore um we could see continued uh bearish pressure on on coffee at least from the real yes all right. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary. We covered a lot here today. We covered, um, let's see, we started with the the, uh, the hailstorm. Um, we moved through to uh, pending stocks and calendar spreads. Um, Talk about fixation, crop yeah, fixation. The, uh, the positioning and the spec. Um, I guess the final thing that we can talk about here that we can kind of conclude on is this little analog, um, which I think is is sort of cool. Um, this is a comparison with 2014 here, um, and this is 21. This sell-off that we've seen in the last six weeks is really the strongest sell-off we've seen in in a decade here. You can see it's even uh, more intense uh, than this sell-off in, in 2014. And these were similar markets because uh, back in 2014, we had a weather event in Brazil. We had a uh, drought that... Um, uh had a negative impact on the on the coming crop and so the market went from short to long very quickly we had this dramatic rally but much like this uh rally here where we also had a weather event we never hit that three dollar level we never went to those highs that people thought they would and we also had a very weak brl at this point too that was another major factor holding down the market we had that uh, this time as well, that also has been a, a big negative on on coffee during this period. Um, so those two things we have in common. What happened afterwards, um, the analog here is after we had the dramatic sell-off, then we just kind of had this meandering, volatile drift lower. So if that were to happen, then you could see the market come down here to the 140s. Now, that is just the analog, right? <laughs> that's not a prediction. I'm just saying that's the analog here. That's uh, what would be a similar scenario. Um, now, that can change certainly based on the fundamentals. That's a big risk. Um, if we see this fixation not materialize the way that um, uh, you know people fear that it's not going to materialize, um, if we see you know more intense damage from the, the hail, um, or if we see some kind of dramatic turnaround in the currencies, that could also lift this back up as well. So there are there's all kinds of potential out there, um, but I think this is just a an interesting little note here um, that this is a very similar analog uh, to this previous market. So with that, I think uh, we can wrap wrap it up. Igor, thank you for um, joining me on this uh, in this podcast today. Thank you for the research uh, that you put in. Um, and, uh, I think we can conclude here and, uh, come back, uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for everything. Uh, we, 
come back in a couple of weeks. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you in a bit, Igor. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining our Coffee Trading Academy podcast. Check out the website and subscribe to receive our free and premium coffee market reports. That's www.coffeetradingacademy.com. Again, coffeetradingacademy.com. Good luck with your trading, everyone. This is Ryan Delaney, your Coffee Price Risk Ninja here, signing off.